This is the Bama Podcast with Marty Solomon. I'm his co-host, Brent Billings. Today, we examine the remaining books in Tanakh, most of which are prophets. We will attempt to understand prophetic history as a whole and the setting for each period of history. Yeah. So we wrapped up our wisdom literature, and uh, this week it's time to uh, jump back into the narrative and jump back into the story. So you might remember. You know what struck me? What's that? So we've been talking about this wisdom literature. Right. And growing up, I've always thought like, oh, this is a psalm for me to understand what I'm feeling or for me to do this, me to do this. These proverbs are for me to understand what to do in this situation or that situation. But that's not what they're written for. Right. They're written for the entire assembly of Israel to sing together. They're written right. as wisdom for the entire assembly Right. To practice together, yeah. et cetera. It's that play of communal and individual, uh, East versus West, and the way that we just primarily frame things because of who we are. Pretty amazing difference. Uh, yeah. yeah. If you learn to start making that one of your default questions, I don't know if it ever becomes our default worldview, um, but if you make one of your default questions, it's amazing how that changes things. I mean, I'm what, four years into this study and that's the first time that's occurred to me that <laughs> my entire frame of reference around wisdom literature has been individual not necessarily backwards but just sure a completely different mindset than, yeah. than what it was to the original readers absolutely absolutely yep so we have a presentation today by the way we do yes we got uh, it's gonna be helpful today we're gonna start to look at the prophets um before we dive into any prophets we want to kind of understand the whole the big picture behind the prophets. So that means we're jumping back into the narrative now. Uh, and if you remember when we left off, where did we leave off in the narrative, Brent? Oh, we just had uh, the kings do their thing and the yep. kingdom split. Yep. And uh, they started worshiping other idols. Yeah. Mixing things in with with uh, worship of God. So we had which books? We had uh, Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Excellent. All right. Yeah, that's where we left off. So... Um, uh, we were discussing two different perspectives found in those records uh, of Samuel, Kings, and Chronicles. Um, and we, we talked that there might be, all of them, all of them inspiring, all of them correct, both, both stories, both sources, uh, talking to us about truth. Um, but we also suggested that there might be, uh, a, using both of these stories in the way that they interact, there might be a larger inspired, God-breathed study, story, message uh, being suggested. So I suggested that one view of God's narrative puts the focus on our obedience. We see stories that hinge upon some great moral failure of leadership, uh, bad decisions leading to momentum shifts, whole periods of history defined by the idolatry of God's people. Uh, I also mentioned that this was the predominant view that I was given, as a youth, a Bible college student, and even a young pastor. Uh, that was definitely necessary. We looked at the Bible. Um, it was all about knowing the right morality code. It wasn't necessarily about, I've been reading Dallas Willard lately. He's really big on, we were all about knowing knowing the right morality code. Like, n- neither side of the argument is really about doing the morality code. We're just about knowing it the right way. Um, and that was definitely my experience growing up. But what I also suggested, uh, by the way, which story was that one? The one that was all wound up about obedience. That's uh, Samuel and Kings. Story A. All right. Source Source A. A. Source A, right? Uh, But what I also suggested was that the chronicler, Source B, writing his record much later in history, with the benefit of hindsight and the perspective that comes with it, was encouraging us not to miss the story that lies behind the story. 
uh, that there's a real fundamental reason that Israel collapsed. And there's a real reason that David makes the decisions that he makes and that Solomon has a lust uh, for empire. And that was actually the chronicler's point was that Solomon has a, not just Solomon, but Israel herself had a lust for empire. Uh, the forgetfulness of God's great project. Uh, people had forgotten. They'd forgotten where they came from. They'd forgotten what the plot of the story was, and they had forgotten the mission. Now, this is a major claim that we made all the way back there in those podcasts. And so as we resume our walk into this narrative, as we resume our walk into God's story and the history of his people, uh, we want to make sure that we're examining the story to find out if there are any other clues as to whether or not we might even be on the right track. Maybe Brent and Marty are just full of hooey. But the prophets are going to be the perfect place to try to discover that. Um, so speaking of prophets, uh, now would be a good time to talk about what a prophet is before we get into the prophets. The prophet, I don't know, what was your take as you grew up about a prophet? What was a prophet's job, Brent? Prophet tells the future. Yeah. Prophet is a crystal ball reader. Like a prophet looks into the future and predicts what's going to happen. Nobody knows what the prophet is talking about until hundreds or thousands of years later. Right, right. It's all talking about Jesus, which, and not to say that there's none of that going on, uh, but in a biblical sense, especially from a Jewish perspective, the term prophet has very little to do with future predicting. Uh, it has everything to do with being a messenger for God. They are God's mouthpiece. A prophet is God's mouthpiece. Uh, we often have been given the idea that a prophet is like a, got, a godly fortune teller who speaks of future things to be fulfilled. And this is problematic on multiple levels, not the least of them being the belief's inaccuracy. <laughs> Man, I'm just on a roll lately in my note writing. It's, I mean, yeah, it's t- you're telling it straight. <laughs> <laughs> the prophets serve as God's mouthpieces, and God has a message for the people. And the prophet is the mouthpiece that speaks this message. And by the term message, what I'm, what I'm speaking of is a present tense exchange of words and ideas for a present moment. God is sending Amos to give a present message to Amos's present audience. That's what makes Amos a prophet. Not that Amos is going to tell the future, but Amos is a prophet because he's bringing a message. He is the messenger. He is the mouthpiece uh, for, for the Lord. Um, so God has a message for the people of Israel for that day, not a future day, although there's some of that going on. The primary purpose of the prophet was to bring a message for that day. He was primarily giving a message for themselves, not a cryptic message for the future that left the readers clueless and waiting for some future people like you and me, Brent. We finally figured it out. No, 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 no. The message had plenty of purpose for the people to whom it was sent. Any additional layers to these prophetic utterances uh, simply become icing on the awesome biblical cake, if you will. Uh, So before we dive into Amos, uh, let's make sure we draw an outline for the historicity of the prophetic movement. What was going on when these prophets spoke to the people and just who were the people that they spoke to? So we're going to look at the presentation that you uh, helped make for us, Brent. And a couple quick points before we do. When we talk about a time period, uh, I am certainly not referring to when the prophet was written. There is far too much debate, like everybody debates, like when was this prophet actually pinned on a on paper or parchment? Was it pinned or was it spoken or was it sent or was it brought or all of that? I'm not, I'm not going to get into that debate. Um, it's not really all that helpful. Uh, so when I talk about a time period, I'm not talking about when it was written. Um, 
what interests me as a Bible teacher is where the voice of the prophet is supposed to be heard by the reader. So let me say it again. Uh, the, the main issue is where the voice of the prophet is supposed to be heard by the reader. At what point in the story should I hear the voice of Hosea? Uh, likewise, I'm not concerned with the who wrote this book conversation. Uh, like, was the author really Hosea? I, great question. Not what we're going to deal with in our podcast conversations. Uh, I will not be diving into those discussions. I, don't, I do believe that the scripture is God-breathed in the form that it was given. And I can hear the voice of God speaking through the story in its many forms. This is my non-negotiable belief. Everything else is pretty fluid in my mind. Doesn't matter when they were written. Doesn't matter who wrote it. Uh, uh, at least, at least for my teaching purposes. Now, here's the section. So, if you look at the first uh, page on that presentation there that Brent's created, you're going to see the different stages. I got four, five, five different periods of prophetic history. Uh, the first one being the pre-Assyrian prophets. So there's going to be a group of prophets that are pre-Assyrian. Uh, these prophets are the first to show up on the scene to bring God's message of repentance. So when we left off the story, Brent, how were we doing when we left off Chronicles and Kings and Samuel? Not in the best spot. We were not doing so hot. We were all wrapped up in idolatry. We were taking advantage of other people. We were in a hot mess. Kingdoms divided. Right. Can't get along. Oh, it's pretty, pretty ugly. So God starts sending prophets. The first wave are what we call the pre-Assyrian prophets. Before the enemies begin knocking on the door of Israel and Judah, before the threat of Assyria, Assyria is going to be the first one to come waving through from the north. Uh, before the threat of Assyria is realized, prophets like Hosea and Amos appear bringing a message to the northern kingdom of Israel. Prophets like first Isaiah, I know that's confusing. We're going to deal with that here in just a moment. Uh, and Micah bring messages to Judah. So all four of those, Amos, Hosea, Micah, first Isaiah, these are all going to be pre-Assyrian prophets. Two of them are going to speak to Israel, the northern kingdom, and two of them are going to speak to Judah in the southern kingdom. The next period of history is we have the Assyrian prophets. So once Assyria begins the long, brutal process of conquest throughout the land, the prophets Jonah and Nahum will speak uh, about God's patience and forthcoming justice. Zephaniah, we say Zephaniah, and second Isaiah will begin preaching a message of repentance to, to Judah, uh, where they warn them of the danger that awaits them if they fail to learn the lessons of their brothers to the north. So on one hand, Israel is falling to Assyria when Jonah, or has fallen to Assyria when Jonah and Nahum do their prophecy. But there are prophets that speak to Judah and say, if you don't right the ship, you're going to end up in the same predicament. Then there's Babylonian prophets, because after Assyria, what happens, Brent? Babylon comes in and takes over. Babylon ends up taking everybody over. So Assyria is a bad enough threat, but then Babylon ends up being a massive uh, part of the Old Testament story. Uh, so after Judah's failure to repent, uh, God will use Babylon to cart his people back to their former days of slavery. It's going to remind them of when they were in Egypt. Prophets like Jeremiah and Lamentations, Habakkuk, Joel, Obadiah, they're going to speak of these trying times. This is not going to be fun. This isn't, uh, it's very poetic and it's very hyperbolic, um, but it is not fun. Uh, these are very hard times to live through uh, as Babylon sweeps through. And uh, uh, Joel's going to talk about Babylon sweeping through like a locust plague. Um, then there's going to be the next period of history called the exilic, the exilic, the exilic prophets. Exilic, I think we decided. Was it? Okay. Yeah. All right, excellent. Because exile. That out. Tomato, tomato. Exile, exilic. Okay. 
Fantastic. Um, so uh, these are the prophets that speak during the exile. Um, having been destroyed, Israel and Judah sits in Babylonian captivity. Their house, speaking of the temple, is left desolate, and they begin to wonder if there's any hope for the future. Prophets like Daniel and Ezekiel enter this scene, encouraging their hearers and readers to understand why they sit in captivity and casting apocalyptic visions of hope. Uh, the words of Third Isaiah contain some of the most beautiful poetry of the ancient world, where, while Job, we'll talk more about Job, you're thinking, Job? I thought Job was one of the most ancient books. We'll talk about Job. Job could also be viewed as wisdom literature. So what's it doing here? You'll find out soon enough. Um, Job uses drama to bring perspective into human suffering. And then, the, of course, there's a last period, a period that I would call the remnant. Uh, finally, the Jews are allowed to come back home and rebuild. The books of uh, Ezra and Nehemiah tell the story of how this rebuilding period began. Prophets like Haggai, Zechariah, 4th Isaiah, Malachi accompany that work, encouraging the people to walk in the ways of God and recapture the mission of God in the world to remember where they came from, essentially, we could say, using Deuteronomy language. Uh, throughout this survey of biblical prophets, uh, my encouragement uh, for all of us is to listen to the underlying message. I want us to listen for that source A and source B uh, narrative as we listen to those. So just to recap uh, that presentation, I don't know if you've been following along through each period of history, but if you haven't, you can flip to the next and you'll see those pre-Assyrian prophets, uh, people like Amos and Hosea, we said, talking to Israel, Micah and first Isaiah bringing a message to Judah. Uh, if you go to the next slide, you'll see the Assyrian prophets show up, uh, Jonah and Nahum, Yonah, Nahum, uh, show up to talk to uh, a conquered Israel in the north while Zephaniah, Zephaniah and second Isaiah. So what's this business with the Isaiahs? That's crazy. There's one book of Isaiah. There's not four books of Isaiah. I certainly wasn't taught that in Bible college. They would not be probably glad that I'm splitting it up like that. But nevertheless, here we are. Uh, most scholars, uh, well, pretty much the entire conversation that I am aware of, I know there has to be somebody out there that disagrees with this, but scholastic conversation sees multiple voices in Isaiah. Um, and we'll talk more about why when we get to those uh, studies, but um, there are different periods of history that Isaiah is dealing with. Either that or Isaiah really is being really good about telling the future, um, like too good about telling the future. Uh, uh, there's some kind of redacting going on. Now, there's tons of arguments about how many different authors, how many different voices. There's tons of argument about where you break the voices up. We'll talk about each one of those as we go through it. Um, but there is definitely a pre-Assyrian voice to Isaiah. Um, and then there's a, there's like an Assyrian voice to Isaiah. There's going to be a, there's going to be like an exilic voice of Isaiah. There's going to be a remnant voice. Some even give more voices and and some say the voices are all intermixed and intertwined. We won't get into parsing out that entire, the details of that conversation. Um, but I have really, I used to do three. If you, if you're, if you're a student from my past classes, you know that I did three voices of Isaiah, first, second, and third. And after looking at it some more and continuing my study, I have really added a fourth. I think there's an obvious fourth voice as well. Um, one of the people I thought did a really good job of doing this in an academic way, but accessible would be Walter Brueggemann. Uh, he did a book called Out of Babylon, Out of Babylon by Walter Brueggemann. And just uh, anytime you get to read Brueggemann, it's going to be fantastic. Um, and really, it's a, little bit, uh, it's a little bit ahead of where we're at because I'm going to recommend it later in our study. 
And if you can be patient, I might recommend waiting to read that until later because you're going to run into some stuff that we're not quite prepared for. Um, but we will be at the end of session two. So I'm going to recommend that book at the end of session two. But he deals with the different voices of Isaiah, not directly, but in passing. And I thought it was one of those reads that I was like, ah, that's a good one to recommend there. But yeah, so we got multiple voices of Isaiah. So one of those voices of Isaiah, the second voice shows up in the Assyrian period. The next uh, slide is going to show you the Babylonian prophets. Um, just like we talked about, uh, you got Jeremiah, Lamentations. Did Jeremiah write Lamentations? Not likely, but some tradition holds that he does. Uh, and then you got the these three, what we would call minor prophets, Habakkuk, Obadiah, Joel. These are all prophets that come as Babylon is conquering, after Babylon has conquered, just that whole Babylonian conquest, which takes quite a... a it doesn't happen overnight. The Babylonian conquest takes years um, to actually be fulfilled in its entirety. Um, but then you have, okay, now that Babylon's all done, it's all over, everybody's been conquered, and now you're sitting in exile. The next slide there is going to show you, uh, you're going to have a whole different kind of message come. Ezekiel and Daniel. Uh, I think Job gets rewritten. Um, well, that'll make more sense later. Uh, third Isaiah, they come trying to instill hope and strengthen God's people for perseverance uh, to make it through exile. And they do, because the next one, if you go to your last slide there, is the remnant. And you're going to have all, this is really where out of Babylon by Brueggemann comes into play, uh, is this remnant period. You have all these different takes on what do you do when you get to go back home? Do you go back home and rebuild? Do you stay uh, in Persia and try to um, and influence the, there's all kinds of different perspectives. And we're going to look at all that by the time we're done with session two. But you have the story of Esther. The story of Esther is about the perspective that stays and tries to influence uh, Persia. You have Ezra and Nehemiah, obviously, uh, not really necessarily prophets as much as historical record um, about that period of history coming back to rebuild. You have Haggai, Haggai, uh, obviously talking about rebuilding. Uh, you have Zechariah and um, and fourth Isaiah uh, just talking about uh, hope that there is going to be a future in front of us. Uh, and Malachi, actually, it doesn't it doesn't all go perfectly. And Malachi is going to have to try to whip them into shape because they sit on the verge of maybe losing the plot yet again because they're humans just like you and I. And so... Hopefully that sets the stage for us a little bit. We're going to talk about each one of these periods of history, and that's what I wanted to communicate, is we're going to start with pre-Assyrian. We're going to work through that period of history. We're going to move on to Assyrian, on to Babylonian, exilic, remnant. And uh, by the time we're done with that, we're done with session two. We're going to deal with every one of these prophets and uh, probably their own podcast, I'm betting. So every one of these prophets will do one podcast, talk about it, unpack it, and uh, go from there. Sounds great. If you live on the Palouse, join us for discussion groups in Moscow on Tuesday or in Pullman on Wednesday. If you want to get a hold of Marty, you can find him on Twitter at Marty Solomon. Great for uh, reaching out about four Isaiahs. Like, what is that? Yeah, Let us know. You absolutely. can find me at EIBCB. Uh, and you can find more details about the show at BaymontDiscipleship.com. Thanks for joining us on the Baymont Podcast, and we'll talk to you again soon.